live from Philadelphia, you're listening to Corona, where three gay friends, each professors, creatives, and weirdos, talk with other queer and queer-adjacent creatives and personalities about anything they damn well like, from 80s pop culture to hypnotic sex practices, all while we're experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic. Season one of Queerona was recorded between March 15th and May 15th of 2020. So now lean back, relax, and enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Queerona, where we discuss everything from life, love, mystery, and intrigue from a queer perspective. I'm George Alley, one of the three hosts of this podcast. These are the other two. I'm Matthew Ray. And I am Philip. Philip is a one-name entity, much like Cher or Madonna. One name and yes. one L. One L and one name. One L, okay. Mm-hmm. Minimalist. So how are you guys doing today? Solid. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about me. <laughs> God. Boy, really good. We weren't prepared for that question. That was a deep question. Um, 60 minutes here. I want to, well, okay, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change the question. Um, I was talking to this person today and I wanted your feedback. Don't you think it's weird for people to be like, can I come over and you can take my temperature and I'll take a shower so that I can have Who do you talk to? I don't know. I think it's totally weird. I'm, I'm, I'm consistently shocked with the people you find in a non-pandemic. Is it like a medical and fetish? People- <laughs> take your temperature or is it like to prove that they don't aren't ill so you can do other things? This is completely separate from any medical fetish person that I know. This okay. is a... Somebody whose first objective is not medical fetish. Oh, God. Um, oh, boy. What would be their first objective? Having sex with me. Okay. Okay. And does the sex involve medical fetishness? No, they were just trying to say, like, oh, well, they'll be safe by me taking their temperature before they enter into the apartment. Right, 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 right. Doesn't right, that right, become right. part of it or no? Like unintentional what, medical what fetish. If what if they're all revved up because they're excited to bone you and they're like, they're running a fever, like a love fever, a sex fever. Yeah, that's very possible. <laughs> yeah. How would you know? Would, you wouldn't if know. You were, what's your cutoff? You 99, 100? What is right. your, what's the... Yeah. Is that based on looks? Like you sleep with a really hot guy who might be 100? But like ugly people, you have to come in at like 95. That's a great question. Actually, let's bring in Carl Michaels, who will discuss more about this issue. Carl is a DJ, a interior designer. Yes. And many other things. Well, I've been, so I was, I was convinced I was leaving music for a while, but then since this um, whole pandemic thing happened, uh, I'm like actually enjoying music again. So maybe, maybe this was for something, but. Explain that. What do you mean you're enjoying music again? I was just sick of doing it three times a week and I was just getting bored. And the environments that I was working in are great, Sometimes you need a break, and this was a forced break, and that's really it. 
and I haven't been producing music either. And I just started to do that again. So, but I don't want to be jack of all trades. I really have been enjoying interior design. You've always though, like, and, and you're doing it more recently too. Like you're somebody that gets people interested in music beyond just DJing. Like you post stories about like, in, you know, you make me download music all the time by your stories. It makes me so happy because, because the one thing that I've, I've tried to do with my Instagram stories is, is just have music. Like I'll go through, I'll like, I'll like look through what I've posted and I'll be like, this is kind of a cool little story that I'm telling. Like, like I enjoy introducing the music and I'll just find some like pretentious photo on Tumblr and post it with the story just to make, just to add visual effect to it. How did you start DJing to begin with? So when I was a kid, I was insular as, as, as a lot of gay kids were. So I think that um, I just sort of hid in my room and listened to music. And I discovered Q102, which is still in existence. This is not a test. This is the new Q102. I don't know. I fell in love with dance music. So then by the time I was, I think I was 16 and my grandmother gave me a thousand dollars, like as a gift, I bought all like speakers and turntables. And I mean, I guess it was still cheap back then, but, um, but I bought all that and my dad thought I was crazy. And he told me to, he said, your challenge is to make money from this. So I took it as a challenge. And that's since then, that's when I started, I like started DJing at house parties and, and nightclub. Well, then I got, and then I got excited about the rave scene. I took a lot of acid. <laughs> and, um, no. So you were like listening to mute rave music. You were listening to like electronic music or house music at raves. And then that like made you want to DJ or. Well, yeah, because it was so like, it was magical. Like you went into this place, someone had a rave. Someone had a rave. I, well, I ended up working for him later. This guy, Nigel Richards, he ended up, he had a rave at, at this place called Sportland America, which was in my like hometown. And it was this huge, like sports, like roller skating, like batting cages, like whatever. It was just this big sports place. And he, they turned it into this like crazy rave. And it was like in my hometown. And it, I was thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I would go to play, and it was like at the peak of the rave scene. So like I would go to places. So what year is this? 1995. And then by 1996 or 97, I, we had started to throw our own like events. And so like we rented out like an abandoned church and like some guys like creepy warehouse. And we just like threw parties there there's something interesting too about that culture like it's not just the it's not just going to an event like there's there's well there's a much more to it than just like actually attending this event so there was so there was and, and i'm learning this because because of all the therapy i've been to but like there was a softness to it even though it was like everybody was like totally high on drugs but i think and so like all these people were high on ecstasy. I had no idea how to, that how that worked because I was I couldn't take ecstasy because I take uh, I take Paxil. It doesn't work. Right. All these people. So I didn't really get it, 
but I knew that I was not the same as everybody else. Like as far as like being a gay kid, but everybody was just kind. Like, and I had never experienced kindness before. How old were you in 95? Six, 17. Okay. Was it like a gay scene mostly or was it like a straight scene? No, it was straight people. I mean, it was, it was straight people. And then other people who were, I think a lot of people were gay because they were on ecstasy. (laughs) It's really like, to be honest. Right. Definitely outcast culture though, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So, so, so there you go. So that's, so that's, I think that's what I'm trying to say is that I felt like an outcast my whole childhood. Um, I was treated like crap. Um, and, and people were just nice without even knowing me, which was cool. Like I had never understood that because anytime I met a new person previously, it was, uh, they were shady. They were, they were rude. Like you were just the, you were just the person on the outside. And these people looked at it as like, as, as a welcoming thing. Like this is a new person. Let's welcome them into this culture, which I understood because I, cause I had never, <clears throat> cause I had never really been, you know, like I had bounced around a little bit as a kid and no one was ever really like, you know, kids are mean. So that's really where it came from. There's something too about like house culture. It's like a reaction from punk in some ways, but like has punk got darker as like a, a more positive outlet for counterculture than, than punk. Yeah, I think so. I think it was more, it was more of an open, there was more of an openness. People didn't understand it for sure because it was, because it was the place where anyone could go, which, which I appreciated. Like you could be, you could be like, all the freaks were there and it was great, but punk was different because it was a little bit aggressive, even though it was really kind of, once you understood it, it was, it was the same. I mean, it was similar people were nice. Nobody was trying to like hurt you. Um, they would just jump on your head. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I learned from, that's what I learned from going to shows is that like, Nobody's really trying to hurt you, but you may get a bloody nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was a different form of affection. Right. Right. <laughs> right. If you can't catch me, then I'm going to kick you in the face, but not on purpose. So how did you go from like DJing at raves to like DJing at gay clubs and like being like sort of a mesh in like gay Philadelphia? I would credit my ex his name is dalton i would credit him uh maybe i won't say credit (laughs) Um, (laughs) but but he was uh, so i well i worked at woody's as a bar back and i met dalton and um we were we dated for like six years um he was friends with all the circuit queens and so I just, and plus I knew, so I had also worked for Billy and Michael who own Voyeur and Woody's. I had worked for them before at Transit. So by virtue of working at 611 Records, which is where I worked for a while, that was like the big rave store, big rave club store. And then the club scene got really big. So people, people had heard of me. So they hired me at their clubs. Right. Um, So Billy and Michael, well, Billy knew me and, um, he hired me at his clubs. And then when he opened a gay club, that's when he hired me. So that's sort of, it sort of starts there. I remember yeah. buying a homemade tape there once and feeling 
extremely edgy and cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I we that's we used to do I used to make a lot of money from mixtapes. Like I would I remember one time I had felt like I had officially made it because I went to a rave in Rochester and there was a guy selling bootlegging my tape there. And I was like, oh wow. Wow. Wow, you have my tape. And he was all nervous because he thought I was gonna like grip him up or something because because and I said, um, so what do I get for this? And he just handed me a hundred bucks. And I was like, I mean, I'm sure he ripped me off, but it was just like a payoff. Right. And were they selling that under your name? Were they like, here's it's, DJ Carl Michaels is new. Same fucking artwork, like the same artwork that I had sold it under. They were, they had just taken my tape, mass produced it and were selling my tape. Um, Without so, your name. Yeah, it was it was my it was my mixtape because we used to just sell mixtapes for ten bucks a piece, and so but you could send them out and get them done for uh, two dollars, and they would be shrink wrapped. They would come back with your artwork, but this guy took it and just made his own version. So, wow, that's like a Spotify playlist for yeah. the kids at home. Right. You don't understand what we're talking about, right? Oh, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so a mixtape was I, DJ, I would DJ for an hour and a half and put it on a tape. And so that's your, that's your like, people would use that like when they were driving to their events or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that people don't know what mixtapes are. Do you miss the rave scene at all? Do you, do you kind of, like, would you? Oh, yes. You, yes. Because... Yeah because it all devolved because the commercial people took it over and shit on it. And right. they, 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 um, took all the drugs, couldn't handle it. Just as I think that capitalism does, it just capitalism ruined it. I think that's the thing that happens when there's any kind of subculture that like the ideas get, sold and subverted back into culture in order to like disarm it, you know? Yeah. I mean, they take, they took, they took the edge away. Like when I hear like, Oh, I love dead mouse. I'm like, Oh, it's so boring. Like it's boring. But that's, that's my, that's my take. (laughs) And people don't party like that anymore. Like are there, or am I too old? Are there, huge underground warehouse abandoned church you know skate park throwdowns like we used to have or that that doesn't exist right no there's always a financial backer who is able to actually do it legitimately so once it becomes legitimate then you have to then you have taxes and you have liquor laws and you have this and that we were doing it completely lawless like it was there was no um there was no concern for any lni or people would be selling like nitrous balloons and booze i mean and the funniest thing about it is that the booze was like the alcohol was the least consumed (laughs) yeah right because if you're on ecstasy you're not gonna or g or whatever then you're definitely not gonna be drinking yeah Mm -hmm. exactly there's also like it's impossible to do that now because of social media to everything gets tracked. Well, that's true. That's true. If there's sorry if you hear noise, the dogs are playing. Um, it, it, you wouldn't be able to do anything underground. Like you, if, if you can't, 
you can't be like at the you can't be like the Madonna concert and make people put their things in a bag, you know, put their devices in a bag. And I mean, that takes money. And the whole point of it was that people had exactly the amount of money that it cost to do something like that. Like I threw my first rave on my cash advance from my Discover card. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It cost what, was the, what was the cash advance on a Discover card back two then? Grand. It was two grand. Like, so you could, wow. no, well, no, so my limit was two grand and you could take, oh. you could take out up to two, you could take out all of it in cash. Woo. Yeah. So it really I, pays to discover the discover card. It pays to discover the card that pays you back. Paid the down and I so I went to Kutztown University and I was organizing a Philadelphia like rave from there. Yeah, I remember going to the to the ATM machine like like eight times because I could only get three to three hundred dollars at a time. Mm. And the guy wanted a deposit, so I was like, "All right, here's a thousand Like, because we we threw it at a swim club. Like it was, it was very weird. Did you make the money back? I think so, but I put my friend Patty in charge of the door, and she went to pee, oh. and then half the money disappeared. Oh, Patty! <laughs> <laughs> but, but my dad, but my dad, uh, my dad, when I was counting it, when I was counting it, he, I was like, oh, I'm short, and he's like, he's like, here's, he just fucking gave me seven hundred dollars. Wow. That was nice. It was. Yeah. He, said, he said, I appreciate your entrepreneurial spirit, but um, you might need help next time. Right. Don't hire Patty next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I wasn't thinking about anything. And the funniest thing is you always, you always think of the door person last, which is ridiculous because that should be the first and most trustworthy person you think about. Right. And I always end up thinking, even when I still do, even if I do an event now that like I need someone at the door, I always think about the door person last. Segwaying into these unusual days we're in now, as a, you're not, obviously you're not DJing or, or doing any interior design now. Like this, how has the pandemic affected your career and business? So my first real design client, interior design client, uh, he offered me a job doing facilities and marketing. So I have, let's say I lost about two thirds of, or let's say I lost about 60% of my income. Wow. And then, and at the time, well, I mean, at the time it is the time, but I moved uh, into a new place, which is double my rent. Uh, or double my rent from a previous place. Uh, so it sucks, but it's also taught me a little bit about how, about getting by. I've just, I've just learned that I can, uh, I can eat and I can drink and I can live and I can be it's, and this is, again, this is also a product of therapy, but I can like be happy with, you know, I always saw money as the root of happiness and, it's, this is completely, and you know, I've been working on that obviously, but I, this has completely shut that down. You know, I have my dogs here, like they're weird and cool and, uh, and they crack me up all day. And, you know, I've learned that I can be alone without having to like 
jump up and leave the house. Like I've learned a lot about myself. How hot would someone have to be in order for you to let them into your house right now? There we go. That's what I was going to get back to. <laughs> um, and what would their temperature need to be? Yeah. We had one and a half, four locos. So I would, I would say their temperature would have to be 98.6 or lower. Okay. Because I'm kind of a sleepyhead and I, like, I just don't care that much. I haven't even masturbated in a week. You're busy. You have other priorities. <laughs> I am. Well, I do. I mean, I have this new place. I, I don't. So, like, that's the other thing is that, like, I have a new place and I have not, I haven't had sex in here at all. So, mm. the first person that I let in, like, it's got to be, that's got to be, like, it's got to be good. Right. Yeah. It can't be bad. Yeah. It'll be, then it'd be a sign of something. Right. To come. Yeah. So, I'm not, like, and plus, I'm not particularly impressed and I hate to, I mean, I want to have sex, but like, I'm not going to, I just like, I also don't want to talk to people. Is that your emotional state or is that because you're like no germs? No. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's mostly emotional. Like, like I, I, I mean, I'm not going to take anyone's temperature. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, and I think in the back of my head, like there's not enough like pull toward that thing. Like there was some like super hot, there was some super hot dude last week <laughs> and, and I just was like, I blew him off. He was also like, he said like, I'm DL, which is also gross to me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not his fault, but, but I also, I'm not I'm like, that's not like some people that's a turn on. And for me, I'm like, no, like you may get weird or violent. Right, right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know you. And if you are not, if you're not speaking this language, this particular language, I really don't want you in my house. No, especially as the first person. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Inaug- I mean, it's the inaugural. Inaugural. <laughs> I should set up like a um, like a confetti cannon. And then, well, yeah, would you do it in every room? It's like a. Just straight up bedroom. I don't know. Break in each room at once with one person or save that for. Right. Right. That's the thing. It's like, I'm not like my couch is like kind of tweed. So like, I feel like I'd be uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, it's only going to be in the bed. Unless you're wearing like leather. I'm tweed. <laughs> I'm not. On the tweed, no. <laughs> if I wore leather, it would be so expensive. I'm a large man. Or a vinyl suit. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> a vinyl suit. Wow. That just sounds beautiful. Um, you, this would actually be a good sort of reality show like for you, like to decide who you would sleep with in your house and have and, auditions. And like a tent, like so like a tent out front with like a like a thermometer. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know why a tent, but, but, but you just, I mean, just in case it rains, I guess, but, um, you know, there's a thermometer and it's like, okay, this one, their, their temperature is normal. And then I would have to have like, so I have like a, um, I have a, a, like a porch, an enclosed porch. So I could sit and talk to them in the enclosed porch. And then if we disappear into the house, then they've, they've, they've succeeded to the next level. Right. You just look at them from the outside as sort of like 227. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm Jack A. Harry. You are Jack A, essentially. 
Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. Oh, Mary. Mary, no, no. Mary. 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 The world of dance parties. Like, where does the tribe go to dance in a post, you know, <laughs> pandemic world? Where how do we dance together? And I, I don't like. Don't tell me that we're gonna start watching virtual dance parties and shit because oh that's not what I'm doing. Like, that's that's like a, that's like substituting a you know a vape for a cigar. But what are we gonna do? You know. Where do we go to try to, to dance as a tribe? Where do the outcasts go? Where do the freaks go to all gather in the house of music? Like, what is that going to look like? Uh, you mean after this whole like pandemic thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what do it's you feel like? Back to normal. You, you think it's going to go right back to normal? I don't think it's going to be long. What do you do? You think all the bars and clubs that we had can survive this? shut down or are surviving the shutdown not all of them i mean but there are some that have frankly survived really poor management for a long time right so so, i mean there's some that barely have any income right now or or that had barely had any income before this so i don't understand how they wouldn't be able to survive now what was it that was happening towards the end before all this was happening that was making you like over DJing? Oh, that was me. That was me. That was, um, I was just tired. Um, I've been tired for a long time of, of drunk people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it would just give me anxiety. Is that like, like a mass of drunk people around me? Um, it just gave me anxiety. And I also kind of, don't I don't know where this comes from, and I've been <laughs> been trying to figure it out. But I don't historically have uh, a lot of patience for anything. The listener should know that you're you you've been a DJ, a, a major DJ in the Philadelphia area for a long time, and have DJed many major parties and events. Yeah, no, you're right. I think I th- think accessibility is kind of the issue. Um, is that I'm really easily accessible at, at a lot of these gigs and people are drunk. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's in a place that has uh, like a bunch of bars and, you know, people can mind trick their way into getting wasted. They don't, they can, you know, it's not like, it's not like bartenders are being irresponsible by serving people. It's just like people can just figure it out. And then they'll come over to me and they'll think that I'm a jukebox, yep. which is disrespectful to me. Do you think that we just don't have that respect for dance culture in Philadelphia to the same degree, or is that just... I kind of think it's societal. I think there's, okay. a, I think there's like a privilege thing happening. Like there's, there's a lot of like bachelorette parties, and I think that, sure. I think that culture has kind of taken over. The bachelorette party. So the bachelorette party, the kind of the kind of crowd culture has taken over. Like the the we we're here, we're here, we want this, and this is yeah. everybody's gonna do this. And um, you know, it's 
no, like I am the professional and fuck you. Is it mostly women? (laughs) 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 It's half and half. Is it mostly women? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. Is it women? Is it women at these gay bars? Is that what the problem is, Carl? Not like fierce lesbians, but, you know, drunk straight girls is what I'm saying. You know, We can edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the drunk straight girls is right. I mean, and, and, but the thing is, is like, I know plenty of drunk straight girls who are great. Right. And they can handle themselves. But I think if I worked at a different place, and I'm not going to go into where I work, but like, I think if I worked at a different place, I would see more obnoxious straight girls mm-hmm. but yeah um but now but now it's just really i like i actually like so the thing so what i wanted to get to was that, that i like what i'm doing now because mm-hmm. well i mean not right now <laughs> but before this i had gotten down to two nights a week and it's been nice i really love feeling like people know where the music's coming from yeah i mean I don't need, I really don't need the validation. I, I just need to know, like, I just need the joy is really what it comes down to. But sometimes there's negative validation, which is, which I will not put up with. You can help support Quirona Podcasts by sponsoring us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Queerona, where there are several tiers of support where you can assist us with our production and bringing new voices for season two of Queerona. There are three tiers of support for Queerona. Our first tier is a $15 shout out. Our second tier gives you all access to all of season one immediately at $40. At $50, you receive that plus the shout out and... For those who really want to support us, you can get a luxury t-shirt designed by collage artist Toby Celery for $100. So what we do before we close every episode of Queerona is we each bring up something that we think our audience would be interested in to do or look at or participate in during this quarantine time. Matt, let's start with you. Oh, wow, me first? Gosh. <laughs> um, well, um, I, I have been really enjoying, mostly because I rediscovered him far too late to, to appreciate him when he was alive, but Bill Withers, who just passed away, oh, um, who was the uh, singer-songwriter behind... Ain't No Sunshine, Lovely Lovely Day, Just the Two of Us, Lean On Me. Just such an amazing, rich, soulful voice and also kind of takes me back.
on using me. Uh, so I really recommend finding some of his tunes on Spotify and listening to some of the less popular stuff and taking a nice walk. Social distancing. That sounds appealing. That's, that's a nice idea, especially for this time of year because it's beautiful out. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because we can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but taking a walk with Bill Withers is fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I've been trying to um, – you might appreciate this, Carl. I've been trying to walk or ride my bike and play an entire album which I never do anymore. Like we used to, do you know what I mean? Like you used to like get that whole album or CD and play it the whole way fucking through. And now we just, now we cherry pick, you know what I mean? We don't even buy an album, you know, we just cherry pick. And so I've been going back and listening to some albums and hearing stuff that I haven't heard in years. And I think it's really powerful, right? That's a great idea. Yeah. We don't have that patience for an album anymore or, you know, just four miles. And I listened to two whole albums. Whole, H-O-L-E. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> two whole, whole albums. Yeah, two whole, whole albums. Um, which, Live Through This and Celebrity Skin? No, no, I'm sorry. One of them was the Courtney Love album. Okay. Um, but, but Live Through This, I listened to it the whole. But it tells you how I feel when I wake up. That, that tells you a lot about me, actually. Because I'm not good in the morning. <laughs> Did we get everybody's recommendation? George, what's yours? <laughs> um, in honor of Carl being on the show, my uh, recommendation is to listen to the Hacienda Classics compilation uh-huh. CD, or no longer CD for people downloading it today. And if you're not familiar, Hacienda was a nightclub in the uh, mid '80s, I guess, to the early ni- or earlier '80s to the mid '90s. That was funded by New Order and the record sales of New Order, and it was where a lot of new house music and rave music was being played. And there's a compilation of all of that music. It's a great uh, CD or three set of three CDs. I don't know. I keep saying it's CDs because you can download it, but it's a, it's a great set of music that you can play. And then people think you have great taste and know a lot about house music, but really all you're doing is playing the Hacienda Classics compilation. I would recommend, I guess I've been looking at the media of Brian Jordan Alvarez, uh, especially his videos he's been doing while in quarantine um, of him dancing. And especially of those, I just can't stop watching him dancing in these, these um, short shorts, these like gymnastic short shorts, yellow short shorts to Jimmy Buffett's cheeseburger in paradise. (laughs) It's so addictive. He's, it's like sexual, but also like nerdy and fun. And he just keeps the smile on the whole time. That is, uh, it's just so exuberant. And then there's my favorite part is when he like decides to take off his glasses while dancing and then he's dancing and then he like decides to put them back on. I don't know. There's something about this. uh, And it's, What's his name again? Brian Jordan Alvarez. Okay. And on his, on his media channels, and he does stuff with like voices and 
some stuff's serious and some's funny, but I, I, he does like a series of these dancing around in, in uh, shorts or underwear. It's d- different songs, but the cheeseburger one is just, is you kind of sure if he's like making fun of it or he's just so <laughs> into it or what, but it's just, it's just so uplifting somehow. He's a, also an actor on Will and Grace. He plays Jack's boyfriend on Will and Grace. Oh, he's, yeah, he's the boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, uh, Estefan? Estefan. Yeah. The husband, yeah. Yeah, the husband. I'm yeah. sorry. How anti-gay of me. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I forgot that. I, I keep forgetting we can get married. I have no reason. I know. I accidentally no, sometimes say, oh, you know, they, they got gay married. <laughs> I know. Isn't it weird how we like, we like, we've learned to like smack ourselves in the wrist hey. <laughs> to, to, say, to say like they got gay married. Like, no, they got married. Right. They like, that's my husband. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Right. right. Sure. <laughs> you mean Prove your boyfriend? It. Yeah. Where's the prenup? Uh, what, what, what is it? What's the thing from the birdcage? Palimony agreement. Palimony. I want a palimony agreement. I'm going to Los Copa. (laughs) The toothbrush, how Egyptian. How Egyptian. Well, so there's an album called Cut the Crap. It's by Derek Carter and Andrew Weatherall, who just actually died. Um, Oh. No, not Derek Carter, but but Andrew Weatherall actually just passed away. He was was from um, Primal Scream. Um, Yeah. um, so Derek Carter's, uh, there's three CDs on that and you can find it online. It's called cut the crap and it's amazing. It's one of his most brilliant works. Um, he's a good friend of mine and, and he's been DJing since, uh, like 1991 and he's fantastic. Well, thank you, Carl, for coming on to Queerona. Thank you. I had fun. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Queerona. Queerona was hosted by George Alley, Matthew Ray, and Philip Moore. With editing by Paul Schuler. Theme song, Undivided Attention, by George Alley. Available on iTunes. To support Queerona, please go to patreon.com backslash Queerona. Corona is available on iTunes, automatic.com. <laughs> <laughs>